Hey, we're so glad you're here today. We're going to jump back into a series that we took a break on. We, we started in February going through the Ten Commandments. And this uh, series is called uh, The Ten Principles and that, that are behind the Ten Commandments. And so um, we're going to jump back into it. And I'll review a little bit to catch you up. Uh, we took a break because we had Easter. We had Palm Sunday, we had Easter, and then we did that the movie series, which was great. And then last week I did a, a message on, on Calcutta, India, the trip I went on to talk to us and challenge us to, uh, to pray about helping a ministry in India that's doing a lot of good work. And uh, that was just a great time. So if you missed that, go back and watch. I would love for you to partner with us this year to help them. Uh, but we're going to get back into this series. It's going to lead us into the summer, um, into July, where we have guest speakers that will come. And so every year we have guest speakers that come. It's called Positive Influence. And we share some people in our lives that, that are on this journey helping us. And so that will that'll take place. Uh, but I want to get back into this series. And uh, today you're going to see how um, it's not going to seem like it fits, but it's so perfect for today and what we're going to talk about. Uh, but the Ten Commandments is really about relationships. All the ten that, that we see in, in the Bible, it's pointing to relationships, uh, relationships with God and relationships with people. And so it, these ten, these ten are, are, are pointing to it. And the first principle was the, the, the principle of priority. And here's the idea of this, of this whole series is uh, there's two parts to laws. All right? There's the, the letter of the law, which is what we see. It's like the speed limit, right? 25 miles an hour in a residential, um, or like 15, 10 miles for, for school zones, right? Um, there's that, the letter that you see the, the, the the, the law in front of you, um, and then there's the spirit of the law. And the spirit of the law is the reason that we put that law in the first place. Usually there's a, a reason behind it so we know exactly why that law was established. And so we're going through the series of what it would look like. We know what the laws are, but why are they given in the first place? Because if you don't understand the reason behind it, it's really hard sometimes to follow those, and it's difficult. But we understand that there's a, there's a really significant purpose behind it. We can, we can follow it. So the first principle we talked about was behind the, the commandment of you shall have no other gods before me is the, law of prior, or the principle of priority. And the principle of priority is saying if we put God first, then it, it's going to work out because we're putting him in, in his rightful place, and we follow, we follow him lead us on this journey. The second principle was about idols, not making graven images or idols. And this principle is about purity, that we don't add a mixture in our lives of all these different things, but we just trust God to be God, and we let him lead. And the idea behind it was that when, when uh, we don't have purity, we have, we have a mixing of, of all these different beliefs and all these different gods, it really takes away from God's ability to be God. And essentially, making an idol is making our own God. So whether it's us, or we become the idol or something we, we value, that becomes an idol. And so God is saying, make sure you stay pure and keep me first, not letting these other things seep in. And the third commandment is humility, not taking the Lord's name in vain. And we said the principle is humility, which means that we, we, we pay attention to how we live because um, taking his name in vain is not just what we speak, but how we live also. So it's a great message. You can go, catch, go back and catch up to those if you want at some point. Uh, principle four is the principle of rest. And we should keep the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And we talked about how why rest is important, why God set this up as a rhythm in our lives. And it's important to follow this. Um, so that was the principle of, of, of Sabbath, of rest. And it protects us from going back to being slaves is the idea in the Bible that it talks about. Principle five is a principle of honor. And this was a, you, shall, you shall honor your father and mother. And there's a promise that comes with it. Things will go well with, with you in life and you'll have a long life, which I think are two great promises. When you honor um, your parents. And we talked about the principle of honor goes beyond just our parents, but it goes to authority in general. And the reason God wants us to honor our parents, because when we honor our parents, it's easier for us to honor the other authorities that God places in our lives. And here's why it's so important, because the older you get, um, the, the more expensive or the more it takes when you, when you break this principle. And so it's good to teach it when it's young that you need to honor the authority that God puts in place. All right. And, it, and here's, we don't honor the person, we honor the position. And that's always very helpful because they're there for a reason. And if we 
honor God. He'll remove that per- per- person if, if they're in the way, um, or he'll allow them to bless us and, and lead us. So we're in the sixth principle today. We're going to pick up with the sixth commandment. Um, and before I do that, though, I want to set this up of why, kind of why we're talking about this today. This is super important, all right? Um, we know that Mother's Day, like we said, it can be a complicated holiday. And uh, there's, there's people in this room that um, with, when it comes to relationships, there's just challenges that we face when it comes to relationships with family, with friends, with people in our lives, with our past, things that maybe we haven't reconciled, things that we haven't dealt with. And so days like this, they actually can sometimes bring up powerful emotions in us where we question things where we just have these challenges. And so um, before I jump into this principle, I just wanna, I want to give you this, this mental picture, all right? In our lives, when we have pain, like a broken bone, we have something that's going on inside of our body. We go to a doctor and we say, doctor, I'm hurting. And then they go through a checklist, say, you know, is it hurt here? What here? When you do this, what do you? So we go to this. Well, imagine I went to a doctor, all right? And I said, doctor, every time I do this, like it hurts really, really bad. And he's like, well, just stop doing it. I'm like, here's your bill, all right? And I'm like, man, jerk. Like, you know, I would, I would leave and I would go for a second opinion. Anybody with me? Nobody would leave and be like, all right, I've just stopped doing that. Like, I can't move my arm anymore, but it feels better. He told me just don't do it. At some point, I'm going to need to move my arm again, and it's going to be like, oh, that hurts so bad, right? Because here's the, here's the deal. We know that our symptoms or pain is an indication of a problem in our life. So if, if I move my arm like this and it hurts really bad, it's probably an indication that there's something in it that's, that's, that's not right, that something's wrong, that needs to be fixed. And any doctor that would say, just ignore it, is not a good doctor, right? But here's the sad truth is a lot of times in our lives, we have things that are painful and, and we become the doctor, and we just tell ourselves, let's just ignore that pain. Let's just ignore that symptom. It's really not that bad. Eventually, it'll go away. But we know, like anything in life, if you ignore something, in many cases, it actually gets worse, right? And it can affect you. So if I ignore a cut on my leg that gets infected, at some point, yeah, the pain I probably would be so excretion after a while, but eventually, they'd have to just cut off my whole foot or leg, right? Like that's the way you have to deal with it. You just have to cut it off because you ignored it. Well, in our lives, if we ignore those things, it actually limits and inhibits us from living a full life and living the life that God really intends us to live. So we have to learn to deal with things and be truthful, honest about the things that we faced. Um, and here's the thing is, is when we don't address issues and things in our lives, it's actually like we're carrying a heavy weight with us everywhere we go. And after a while, that's just draining. It just takes our, our energy. It takes from us. And we're not able to live a free life that God wants us to have. So today I want to talk about that. And now here's the commandment that we're going to talk about. If you don't know what the sixth commandment is, here's what it is. In Exodus 20, 13, you must not murder. You're like, wow, that's a great Mother's Day message, Eric. <laughs> you planned this really good. Um, <laughs> I know, I know, it's awesome. So I just, I hear all the time, hey, brought you into this world, I can take you out of this world. I'm just hoping nobody like takes, like really acts out that, all right? That's hopefully Dave will help you. Moms, if you feel that way sometimes, I, I hear your pain, we feel your pain. Um, but here's really the truth. If, if murder is the extreme, all right, I don't necessarily want to focus on the extreme. I'm, it's, you, you'll, you'll get it. It's going to take a while. Just stick with me because I know it's going to be like, this is really weird. Murder on Mother's Day. I've never had this before, right? So if murder is the extreme here, the principle that we're talking about is when God gives a commandment, what's the principle? What's he trying to protect? Well, the opposite of murder, which would be the opposite extreme way over here, would be love. All right? And you say, well, that's not really like the opposite. It's like giving life. Well, the Bible, they, it links murder to hate. And we know the opposite of love is, I mean, the opposite of hate is love, right? So the opposite over here would be, would be love. That's the principle we're going to talk about, the principle of love. And so really my whole point today is to move from over here, which you're thinking this is really weird, murder on Mother's Day, to let's get over here, which is very, 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 very appropriate. Would you say for Mother's Day? Anybody? 
love, right? Because moms are great at this. Most moms are great at this. Um, a lot of, some of us need help, but that's why we're here today, to get some help. So if you're not great at it, hopefully today we can help you be better. And at some point in this, we find ourselves on this, um, on this spectrum of, okay, maybe I'm not going to necessarily murder anybody, but in my life I do have relationships that have been strained or even cut off where there's no life in that relationship. Um, and to another extreme, uh, other part of the spectrum would be like, I have health relationships and I love people. I love my family and you're here somewhere on this. So all of us in this room at some point we're on this. And so what I'm going to talk about is what does the spectrum look like? How, how wh- what leads to murder? So the Bible links hate to murder, right? It's, it's always linked together. When you read the scriptures over and over, you'll see that I recent through some scriptures. Um, so it's very, very, I think today's a, a important topic and I believe it's timely for today. John, first John three fifteen says this, anyone who hates Another brother or sister is really a murder at heart. So God, Jesus is saying, and John in this scripture, he's saying murder is, the attitude of murder is attached to hate. All right, so somebody murders. Oh, and let, before I go too far, let me, let me say this. Um, when it comes to, to murder, uh, there's a difference between murder and killing. All right? uh, in, in the Bible, there's a difference there. It, it, the, the Old Testament actually even, sometimes it actually says capital punishment is okay in some cases because they're dealing with a crime, they're dealing with something. Um, killing is taking somebody's life without the authority to do so. So when it comes to uh, uh, law enforcement, when it comes to military that's engaged in war, when it comes to the judicial system, sometimes uh, those things are required. The reason we have freedom in this country is because men and women fought for our freedom. They fought in wars uh, to keep us from being slaves, keep us from being bound, right? So in those cases, that would, be, that would not be murder. That would be killing. That would be a justified reason. And so we are free because of that. And I think we would all celebrate and say we're so thankful that we have freedom, right? You with me? Yeah. So we can celebrate our law, enforce, our law enforcement, our, um, our military. Thank you guys for your service. They don't fall in that category, just so I can say that, right? So you, there's a difference there. And I'll show you in a second the difference, what it was t- attached to. But it always attaches hate to murder, and it's always attached to the heart. It's attached to an attitude. And so even though you might not murder somebody, when you hate somebody, that's almost just as bad as what Jesus is saying because it's, it's, it's doing the same thing in, in your heart towards other people. Now, Romans 13, 9 through 10, here's the other extreme I'll show you. For the commandment says, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder. You must not steal. You must not bear false witness. You must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up, summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself because love does no wrong to others. Murder, you say that's doing wrong to somebody? Yes, taking somebody's life, right? So love is the opposite extreme saying love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirement of God's love. All right, so there's murder, there's love. I heard an interview of um, Billy Graham, his wife, uh, Ruth. They asked her, said, you know, how was your marriage? Like, you know, being married to Billy Graham, awesome guy. Well, how was it? It's like, it's like anybody mar- any marriage, it's, there's challenges. We face challenges. He traveled a lot, so we, we, we missed him a lot and all these different things. And the conversation was, it was really good, just a dialogue of saying, hey, we're not perfect. We're, we're, it's a marriage, it's a marriage. And at some point, the interviewer said, well, did you ever think of consider divorcing your husband? And she said, divorce? No. Killing him? Multiple times. That was a joke, but I think you know where I'm talking about, right? There's this, this idea, if you're not careful, that could lead that way. If you don't guard your heart, and unless she was joking about it, yeah, divorce was an option, but, you know, sometimes taking them out is, is we consider that. All right, so in, in this, um, I'm going to give you a story of this. It's, what I love about the Bible is God left all the flaws, all the blemishes in there. Like, he didn't remove them. Um, if, if you were a, a religious person trying to write a book to try to convince everybody about how good your, your philosophy is, 
you would not keep the flaws in there. You would take them all out, which a lot of other books do. And so it makes it look really good, and there's no every every flaws. The truth is hidden, and then later you discover the truth about that person. Like, wow, that, that's not in the book. That's really different. But in the Bible, God leaves them in there. I think it's one of the strongest cases for the Bible because God is saying, I want you to know that human beings, are, they're, they're fragile, they're frail, they're, we're human. We're all susceptible to things. And so from Genesis, I mean, the first family, they sin, and what happens We'll talk about it in a second. The, the two brothers, they have, they have two sons. One kills the other son. This is like the very first family murder's already like shown. Like the, he kills his brother. And then throughout Genesis, over and over and over, you see the families. Like the, the, the patriarchs, the, the, the leading uh, fathers of the faith, like even their family had dysfunction in it because it wasn't functioning the way it's supposed to. So Genesis 27 tells a story of these two brothers, Jacob and Esau. Um, Esau was the older brother. You know, they were twins that came out. And uh, Jacob, he, he, um, he, he eventually buys the birthright from Esau to be the first uh, to get the, the, the birthright from Esau um, with, a, with a bowl of stew. And so Esau is starving. He thinks it's not going to be any good. If he dies, he, he trades him this birthright. And then later on down the story, uh, the father Isaac's about to die. And um, when he's getting ready to die, he's going to give a blessing. And so Jacob sneaks into his dad's room, who's pretty much blind by this time. He can't see, and so he sneaks in, pretends to be his brother, and the, his dad blesses him and gives him the blessing. And so after uh, he blesses Jacob, Esau comes in the room and says, like, all right, I'm here, dad. Now bless me. And he says, what do you mean? I just blessed you. He's like, no, that was not me. It must have been somebody else. And he says, all must have been your brother. And Esau uh, is so mad. He says, no wonder his name is Jacob, for he cheated me twice. First he took my rights as firstborn, and now he's stolen my blessing. Um, and he's just he's furious. And uh, this is what he says. From that time on, the Bible says in 2741, uh, Genesis, Esau hated Jacob because the father had given Jacob the blessing. And Esau began to scheme, I will soon be mourning my father's death, then I will kill my brother. So the mom, she hears of his plot and says this. This is a good mom, right? She's like, all right, you should probably get away right now, Jacob. Uh, but Rebecca heard of Esau's plans, and she went to send for Jacob and told him, listen, Esau is, con- is consoling himself by plotting to kill you. He's coming for you, Jacob. You better run. So listen carefully. Get ready and flee to my brother Laban's house in Haran. Stay there with him until your brother cools off. So what does cool off mean? All right. If you hit the cool off, that means at some point he's probably really, really hot, which is referring to what kind of emotion? Anger, right? So over here is, is murder. He's planning murder. But before that, there's hate. And before that, there's, there's anger. And we're going to talk about this, this process that gets there. But she's saying, you, eventually, essentially, you've got to run off um, and before your brother kills you. Uh, because there's, there's these emotions tied to it. And there's just this progression that leads to killing somebody, to taking somebody's life, to murdering somebody. All right? uh, in Deuteronomy 19.11, it says this about, about murder, about um, killing somebody. If anyone hates his brother... Uh, and lies in wait and rises against him and strikes him mortally so that he dies. He flees to one of these cities, and the elders should bring him out and hand him over to the relatives to that he may die. So he's saying, if the motive is hatred and he kills somebody because of hatred, then he should die for that. All right, capital punishment uh, when a relative. But in Joshua 25, but if something else happens in this case scenario, if, if the family member is pursuing this person, um, they shall not deliver the, in his hand because this person struck his neighbor unintentionally but did not hate him beforehand. So in these, in these cases or scenarios where somebody does something, they move a, a hammer up or a rock is thrown and somebody dies, but it wasn't the intent because that person hated them, then that person is free. Like they're, they, they're, you don't hold them to, to the guilt and you don't kill them for it. Um, and so there's these two things. If, if hate is the motive, then they're punished for it. But if it was an accident, unintentional, hate's not involved, then it's, it's not it would be murder. That would be an accident. That would be killing, right? So um, 
they're making this, this thing. So what precedes hate is murder. So you have hate, far extreme. Uh, I'm sorry, you have murder at the far extreme, and then you have hate that precedes that. Um, and before hate, well, let me stop there. Uh, in, in Genesis, all these families are dysfunctional, right? A lot of families are dysfunctional. We see over and over that they have struggled relationships. There's a story of a, of, a, of a boy named Joseph. He's the youngest in his family at the time, and uh, he has a dream, and he tells his brothers about this dream, and they're all going to bow down to him. And they already hated him because his father loved him the most. And so the Bible says, it actually says they hated Joseph because his father loved him the most. And because of that hate, they began to plot a way to kill him. So they wanted to get rid of him. Um, so hate, uh, murder preceded by hate. Hate is preceded by anger. All right? um, the, first, the first murder in the Bible is actually because of anger. Um, God accepts Abel's offering, but he rejects Cain's. And Cain is so mad. Go read that story. There's a reason that takes place. And, and God has a conversation with Cain trying to help him to see that he's not going to a good outcome. And so you try to convince him to change that. But he doesn't. He lets anger overtake him, and it leads to murder um, because God didn't accept his offering because of the anger got there. Uh, in fact, the Bible says that anger is not a sin. It's what you do with that anger that becomes a sin. In fact, it says you can, in your anger, don't sin. So it's saying anger is an emotion that we feel, but don't, what you do with that anger is really important. Because when we don't resolve that anger and we just stuff it or we don't do something with it, it eventually will explode. Because unresolved causes us always to explode. It always has to come out in some different way. And so we blow up when we don't deal with unresolved anger. So if murder is at the end of the spectrum and then it's preceded by hate and it's preceded by anger, what comes before anger? Well, what comes before anger is an offense. An offense is, is where somebody um, does something and we get offended, right? So Matthew twenty four ten says this. That Jesus said, and then many will be offended and they will betray one another and they will hate one another. So notice the progression. There's going to be an offense. Eventually it's going to lead to anger, to hate. And if, if it's not dealt with, it will eventually lead to murder. Um, in, the, in the Bible, the Greek word where we get our word from offense is this word that's called scandalon. And what scandalon means, that it, when you translate it, it actually means a stumbling stone. So it's, it's like somebody put a stone in your way. They did something that caused you to trip and injure yourself. So you're walking along this path and somebody does something. You hit your, your, your toe, you trip over, you fall. Maybe it's close to the side of the edge of something. You hurt yourself really bad. So it's the idea that you stumble over something. And offense is where you stumble over it. Uh, the idea of this word, we even use it in, in uh, back in the day, they used to have these traps. They probably still use them, um, just probably more advanced now. But the, these traps for animals, they'd have this, you know, the door up and they'd have this little stick. Well, that stick is called a scandalon, right? That's the same word as a fence. It's, 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 a, it's a trigger for the trap. So when the animal comes by and triggers the trap, that trigger sets off a chain reaction of other events. You know, something closing, something do, something happens, and eventually it's trapped. That animal is trapped. So in, in, in our lives, this is how this applies. This is so important. This is the very thing the enemy is the most successful in most people's lives with this very thing. What he does, he sets a trap for us. He uses the scandal on, right? It's an offense. And we're coming along, we trigger that, that offense, and before we know it, we're actually trapped in this offense. And we think, well, what do you mean? I'm, how am I trapped? They're the ones that did it to me. Well, you're the prisoner of that because you've grabbed that offense. It's, you've tripped over this, and in some cases, you even begin to carry it because you've been hurt over this. And he's saying, be careful of this because those offenses will trigger, have other reactions. And if you don't deal with it correctly, that offense will lead to anger, and that anger will lead to hate, which is the same as, just say it is the same as even murder when you carry that because it, it breaks your relationship. Um, in the Bible, there's actually a person that's called a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. There's a person that's known as, this, as a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. In Romans 9.33, this is what it says. 
It's talking about Jesus. As it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. He's even known as this. He's, he's known as that something that could offend people. But whoever believes in him will be not be put to shame. And here's the idea that I believe Paul is saying to us, right? Is Jesus will either be a stone that you stumble over or a rock that you build your life upon. Jesus said, my ways, my ways are going to help you build a life that's going to last, right? So my teachings will help you to have a successful life. So you have two options. You can stumble over Jesus, and eventually it'll crush, and it'll, it'll, hurt, it, it'll be something that offends you and that, that, that ruins, or you, you learn, you say, I'm going to trust your ways. I'm going to build my life upon this. And he says, you can, you can choose one of two things. So if, if murder is preceded by hate, hate is preceded by anger, and anger is preceded by offense, what comes before an offense? Well, that would be an unfulfilled expectation. Typically, when we're offended by something, something happens that makes us upset. Uh, in our relationships, in our, in our marriages, and whatever that, that is, something wasn't met, we get angry at that. Uh, there's a story in the Bible um, of Jesus and his cousin John. John, John is locked in prison because of doing the right thing, um, calling out uh, one of the leaders for not doing something that was right. He gets put in prison, and uh, while he's in prison, Jesus is in town, and uh, John is kind of frustrated. Right? He's expecting to, you know, he, he's given his life to serve God. And uh, he's sitting in prison, and, and he's, a, he's most likely frustrated. He sends his disciples to Jesus and says, ask him if he's the one or if we need to wait for somebody else. Like, I'm, I'm giving my life for all this. What's going on here? And, G- and they, the disciples go to Jesus and ask him, are you the one? John wants to know, are you the one, or should we keep looking? And Jesus answers them and says this. Like, so he, first he doesn't answer him. He just begins to heal people, the scripture says. And then after he heals all these people, he says, go tell him, go tell John this. Um, the things you've seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And he's quoting Isaiah, just so you know. So he's pointing something else to John, which is pretty incredible, but I'm not getting into. But he's, he's telling John something, and he says, And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. So he's saying, even Jesus is saying, God is saying, if, if you're not careful even, I will offend you. Like there'll be something that I do that, that, is not, that you didn't expect, you didn't want. And what this is talking about is John has an unmet expectation. Jesus is saying, John, don't, just because you, I'm not doing what you expect and what you want, and essentially John's going to die in prison. He's going to get his head cut off and, for doing what was right. And, and Jesus is saying, don't let me be the one that offends you because I'm not doing what you want. In, in, the, in the long scheme of things, it, it, just, just trust God. And so he's saying, don't, don't let that unmet expectation turn to an offense that you hold on to. Because here's the truth. When it comes to offense, we have a couple options. We have a cho- few choices. We could stumble over it. Okay, it, it tr- messes up our life because of that offense. We can step over it. We see the offense and we step over and keep moving forward, not let it get in our life. Or we could pick it up. And I think this is probably what most people do. They get that offense, they pick it up, and they begin to carry it around. In many cases, for years and years and years. And they even show it to people like, Man, you, did you hear about John, what he did to me? Man, look at this. When did John do this? 25 years ago? Like, man, you've been carrying that for 25 years? Yeah, it's so heavy too. Like, why are you carrying for 25 years? I don't think John's a prisoner. I think you're the prisoner. And what happens is many people pick it up, and we just we, we carry it around with us. And I, I think when, when I say step over, it would be like, okay, so the trap is set. We can trip over it and trigger that trap and get trapped. We can be in the carrot with us. Or if we step over it, we're saying, you know what? I'm not going to let that be the thing that traps me and prisons me and holds me back. I'm going to become better, not bitter. I'm going to move forward from what God has and not be stuck in the past. So... If one extreme is murder, the other extreme is love, what precedes love? If, we, if we're moving this way, what's going to be before love? Well, right before love, we'd say is forgiveness. Forgiveness always precedes love. In the story of Jacob and Esau, Jacob is furious, right? He says, I'm going to kill my brother. 
Well, just a few chapters later in Genesis, the, the story picks up again. And it's actually 20 years later. All right? So Jacob's been running from his brother for 20 years. And this is what Genesis 33 starts off with. It says, Then Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming with 400 men. All right, so 20 years ago, you, you, stole, you, you bought your brother's birthright. You stole his blessing. He says he's going to kill you when he finds you. He's coming with 400 men. What are you doing? You're, you're starting to write your epitaph, right? Like, all right, I lived a good life. I will see you later, all right? Live good. And so he's thinking he's dead. So he makes this plan to kind of soften, you know, the, the blow of, of Esau finding him. So he sends out his things. And then a few verses later, this is what happens. Then Esau saw him, ran to him and to meet him, embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. And Jacob had forgiveness rather than being killed, rather than being murdered. Why? Because at some point Esau said, I'm going to forgive my brother. I'm going to forgive, which leads to love. Like, like in the middle of this whole thing, and God blessed Esau, and he led him on this journey. But essentially what Esau did was he, was he picked up the offenses. I hate my brother so much, I'm going, to, I'm going to take his life. I'm going to murder him. I'm planning on killing him because of hatred, because of anger. He's, he's gone. He's dead to me. He's, he's out of my life. And at some point in those 20 years, Esau realized, man, this is just, it's, it's imprisoned me. It's trapped me. It's not even allowed me to live. And at some point in his life, Esau put that offense down and said, I'm no longer going to let that be there. And here's the thing when it comes to things in our lives. If you've been offended or hurt by somebody, um, to forgive them, you don't actually even have to, sometimes you have to tell them you forgive them. Like you make the decision to say, I forgive them. We don't see in the story that he came and says, I forgive you, Jacob, for all doing this. At some point in his life, he released the offense. He let go of it and said, I forgive you. So here's, here's what the, the word in, in, in uh, Greek for forgiveness means in the Bible, right? The word for forgiveness means to release. It means to release. When somebody's hurt you, somebody's offended you, when you forgive them, you actually release them. I, I like the picture of it's like you're the judge and you have their, their, your hands around their neck like, I can't believe you did this to me. And forgiveness is being like, I release. I'm not the judge. God's a judge. He'll deal with you. I'm no longer going to carry this around with me because it's only holding me back. And some of us in this room, we've been carrying some offenses, some hurts, and I get it. They're real hurts, and they've hurt you. And it, and it hurts bad, and to talk about it, to think about it, you want nothing to do with them. But the truth is, you're carrying them around with you everywhere you go. And the worst case scenario is you actually repeat what they did because of that, because you haven't dealt with it. In other scenarios, you just carry around, and it keeps you back. It, it keeps you angry. It keeps you bitter. It keeps you from the best life you could possibly live. And God is saying, would you move from this spectrum over to this spectrum? And at some point, you have to let go. So let me read you a couple quotes. Um, Desmond Tutu said, without forgiveness, there's no future. Without forgiveness, there's no future. Why? Because your unforgiveness is holding you in the past. You can't move forward in the best future possible. Martin Luther King Jr. said, he who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. If you can't forgive, you can't ever love. It it keeps you from from loving those people from, from moving forward. Nelson Mandela says, resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. Somebody holds on to something is actually killing you. It's actually hurting you and harming you more than you, than you think. Mahatma Gandhi says, the weak can never forgive. Forgiveness is an attribute of the strong. If you, if you look at history and these people I just quoted, these are all leaders at some point in their, in their life were trying to help people to say, if you want to move forward into a better future, you have to forgive. You have to let go of those offenses. You have to let go of those things that are keeping you back. 
Because if you don't, you'll never be free. And all of these leaders were trying to lead people to say, let's forget about, not forget, let's forgive the past. Let's move forward because we can't do anything about it anyways. Let's move in freedom into the future. And you're saying, yes, but you don't get it. It's so hard. I don't get it. But I know God gets it. A hundred times more than what you're feeling. So get this. Jesus on the cross. He's being crucified, like brutally beaten and, and killed, murdered for a crime that he didn't commit. And always, lay, always hanging on the cross in pain, excruciating pain. He, he, he prays to his father. You know what he says? Father, forgive them. That guy that just spit on me, that guy that put these nails in my, my, my wrists and my feet, the guy that whipped me with, with the, 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 the cat of nine tails, forgive him. He opened up my whole body. It's, it's, it's exposed. It's bare. So if anybody knows anything about offense, I think Jesus could say, I get it. I know pain. I went to the, le- the edge of pain and abuse and offense. And what was his response? God, I'm going to let go because they don't even know what they're doing. He's looking at the bigger picture. and He's saying, God, I'm going to let go of this. It's not worth it. Forgive, forgive them because they don't even know. And honestly, we don't even know in some cases what they went through, what they've done, why they did it. So, yeah, we're dealing with or holding on to it. But if you, as long as you hold on to it, it keeps you from the best you that you can be. And God's invitation is that. So if forgiveness precedes love, what, precede, what, what precedes forgiveness? That would be uh, grace. Grace precedes forgiveness. And grace is a free gift. The Bible says grace is a gift that God gives, not because we deserve it, but because it's a gift. See, if, if you make people earn your forgiveness, if you, if you think that you have to earn God's forgiveness, you're going to make people earn your forgiveness also. And that's not how the Bible says that's not how grace works. You can't buy God's forgiveness. You can't earn it. It's just a gift that he gives. It's, it's that Greek word. It's to release, right? Forgiveness is to release something. So it's God saying, oh, you want me to forgive you of your sins? And you want me to let go and release you from judgment? I release you. You want me to release you from punishment? I release you. And God says it's a gift that he gives to us. When it comes to relationships, God wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be whole. But it's up to us to do the hard things, and that's a very hard thing to do. But if you follow Jesus' example, we begin to find freedom in those things. Don't ever let resentment or hurt an offense that you hold on to. In fact, one book I'd recommend you read is called The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. Fantastic book when it comes to this. Don't let what somebody else did to you keep you from God's best in your life. It's a sneaky thing the enemy does, and so many people are bound because of it, and they can't live in the best future and the best now because they're stuck way back there. And here's the thing. If you have a problem giving forgiveness, you have a problem receiving forgiveness. That's what the Bible says. In fact, if you can't forgive others, like you haven't even received it, you haven't even got it, you haven't understood grace yet, like you're missing it. So there's love, there's forgiveness, there's grace. What perceives grace? Receiving grace. And what perceives receiving grace is having a knowledge or an understanding that you actually need grace. That's kind of where we fall on the spectrum. So here's my challenge for us today. For you, if there's an offense that you've been holding on to, there's something you've been carrying on for a long time, and I get it, you're saying, well, they don't deserve it. Well, you don't forgive people who deserve things. You know, somebody bakes me some cookies. I'm not going to be like, I forgive you. No, you receive that and say, that's a gift. Thank you so much. You forgive people who've done something wrong to you, and you release it. So my, my challenge is this. As painful, as difficult as it is, it's like going to the doctor and saying, doctor, I have this pain. And Jesus is saying, all right, 
if you really want to take care of this pain, here's what you have to do. Nah, I think I'm just going to keep ignoring it. Then you'll keep living with the pain the rest of your life. Would you have a little courage to say, God, what do I do? How do I do this? You don't have to go to the person. In some cases, you can't. You can't reconcile these things. But in your heart, you can release. In your heart, you can say, I've held on to that offense for too long. I've held on to that person for too long. I'm going to forgive. God, I'm going to trust you to help me on this journey to keep moving towards more forgiveness and forgiving others, helping others on this journey. So choose the best future you can possibly choose by forgiveness. Now, so all of us are on this spectrum at some place, right? So maybe, maybe you're not, maybe you're at this place you don't even know. You're, you're, there's a fence that's happened and you don't even understand that you need grace. Like it's all about you and what people have done to you, but here, here's an, if, if put the next slide up for me. So if we want to get down to that spectrum, what, you have to figure out where you are on this. And some of you in this room, you haven't even got to this place where you say, I think I'm at the need grace place. Like you don't understand that you're so lost in your own life, in your own sin, your own decisions, that life's not going to work for you at all. The Bible says that will never work. Your ways never work. Our ways never work. As, as smart and brilliant as we are, they will never get us to where God really wants us to go. They'll never get us to what we really want in our life. But the moment we say, God, I think I need your grace. I recognize that I need the gift from you to help me accomplish what only I can accomplish through you. That's the moment you become alive in God. Because you, you, it takes humility to say, God, I need your help. It's like humility going to the doctor saying, well, help me on this journey. Prescribe it. And God is saying, my prescription for you is you need grace. You can give grace. Let's start there. So maybe some of you in this room, you're far from God. You need grace. That would be the first step for you. Other of you, you need to forgive and, and move forward. But today I want to talk about those that are here that say, I need grace. So if that's you today, I want to give you the opportunity to pray. So the Bible says that if we will confess our sins, which means that we acknowledge that we are wrong, and it says if we will turn from our wicked ways and we'll turn to God, that he'll, he'll help us on this journey. So the, Bible, the word the Bible uses is repent. The Bible, repent means that we're going one direction that's not working. We realize, hey, this is not going to lead me in a good direction. I'm going to go the opposite way. And repent means, God, I'm going to turn from those things, those addictions, those hang-ups, those problems, those selfish desires that don't ever fulfill like long-term, maybe for a moment, but they never really satisfy, and I'm going to go your way. That's the picture of repentance, saying, God, I, I turn away from that life, and I want to walk towards your life. I want your grace. I want your presence. I want your relationship. And the moment God says that we do that, we come into relationship with him, and we say, God, you forgive me. He forgives us. That's why Jesus died on the cross for us, so that we can do this. We can make this, this pivot in our life and say, God, I want more of you. So do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your head today as we wrap up? If you're here today and you would say, man, I'm, that's where I'm at. I need grace. And I am far from God. My life is not working. And today I want God in my life. Would you do me a favor? Would you let me know that you're here just by raising your hand? I'm not going to call you to the front, leading your prayer in your seat right there. Awesome. I see a lot of hands. Anybody else? God, I need grace. And here's the thing. As you raise your hand, just know that God is saying, yes, I see that. I've known for a long time you need grace. And I'm glad you're acknowledging it. I want to give you that grace. I want to help you on this journey. Anybody else? Awesome. God, I need grace. For all you that raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's, it's just a, it's a start of a relationship of saying, God, forgive me. God, help me on this journey. I, I acknowledge that you died on that cross for my sins, that you're alive today. And then it's saying, God, I turn from my past and I move towards you. 
And then let's journey, keep moving forward. So if you raise your hand, would you pray this prayer? If you're a Christ follower, join us in praying so they're not praying alone. Say this, say, Father God, today I acknowledge that I need you in my life. Forgive me of my sins and follow in my own way. I invite you into my life today. I believe you sent Jesus, your son, to die on that cross in my place so I could have forgiveness. I could have grace. I believe Jesus is alive today and I want to submit my life to him. Be my Lord. Lead me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate all those that raised their hand and prayed that prayer. So good.